Hey everyone, welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly, and I am so very excited to introduce you to my co-leo. Dr. Courtney Tracy, known as the Truth Doctor, is a therapist, is a multiple mental health business owner, a wife, a mom, a double Leo. We're on August 12th We and with a Taurus. We don't know if it's a Taurus rising or if it's a Taurus moon, but we'll take it. It's all fixed. We love it so much. Dr. Courtney, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for us to talk. Likewise. So I, for those of our listeners who have not stumbled upon some of your videos yet or some of your work on the internet, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you do, how you got to do what you do, your mythology, if you will? Absolutely. So, you know, I'm 30 years old right now and I have a two-year-old son. And when my son turned one, I was thinking about, you know, I'm a therapist and I'm a business owner and I'm like, okay, so I'm doing all these things to help the world, to help the minds of the people that he may come in contact with as he ages. And on his first birthday, I said, I'm going to start a social media account. My husband said, you should call yourself the truth doctor because what you try to do is help people find their internal truth outside of everything that they've been conditioned to believe throughout the course of their life. So on October 30th, 2019, I started the truth doctor on social media. Which means that your social media page is a Scorpio. Just want to oh. just <laughs> share that with you because as a Leo with a Taurus rising or moon, Scorpio embeds very neatly into that. So it's it's very auspicious. Oh, thank you. Yeah, my son, my son has been a great addition. Uh, my husband is my husband's right on the line. He's born on Christmas. So he's I think a Capricorn or a Sagittarius, depending upon when you're looking at it. I think that's full Capricorn for us. Oh, great. Great. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I started the social media account with with really just the desire to help people learn about themselves. You know, I had a really intense upbringing and what helped me get to where I am today is the education that I learned throughout all the years that I was in school. And I realized there really isn't a lot of accessibility for marginalized populations and just for, you know, the world as a whole to get the type of information that they need to learn about their mind and their body. So I decided I'm going to put out all this education in a very relatable, digestible, raw, authentic way um, to help people learn about themselves. And so it's been about a year and a half, 1.5 million followers of people that just want to learn about how their mind works. And so that's how I got to where I am today. 11 years of school, 24 years of struggle. <laughs> and um and now I'm falling more into myself more so than I ever have before. And I think it's because I'm aligning with my purpose, which is to take what I know healed me, which is education about the body and the mind and provide that to other people to try to make the world a better place, as cliche as that sounds. So in your own journey, did you imagine that you were going to be using social media, you know, building a public persona and have that be incorporated into your practice and in your work when you first started um, education in this field 11 years ago? You know, kind of. I kind of did. I um, When I was 15, I went to rehab and most of my work in the mental health field. Oh my God, I went it. to rehab at 15 too. <laughs> yeah, so I went. <laughs> two Leos, I, two rehab stories. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's been a wild ride. and so. I went there and I was automatically intrigued by the fact that there were people wanting to help other people just in general, but in the, in the rehab field specifically. And then, and I'm, I'm from Orange County, California. And then when I, I moved to LA for my master's in, in um, social work, I went to USC and I was looking for a job and I tell this story because it just shows a lot about how I've grown. And um, I was going through Craigslist and I saw an ad for a job at a rehab. And um, and I worked at this rehab for three and a half years. And one of the people that worked there was Bob Forrest from Thelonious Monster, who's a really world-renowned sober companion, sober coach, sober counselor at this point. And he was colleagues with Dr. Drew. And this was when Celebrity Rehab was coming out. And it was really about these prime doctors and therapists and counselors that were providing help to people um, on a mass scale. They had television shows. And my dream 
I was very shy. I was a compulsive liar when I was growing up. And I, I really hid away from who I really was because I was trying to hide from my trauma at the same time. And in turn, that made me hide from myself and lie about myself. So my dream was always to get to a place where I was comfortable in the public eye being who I really am. And so it's always something I wanted to do as I said, I'm going to go work at this Malibu rehab. I'm going to become noticed. And it was really this egotistical thing. Um, which I'm not proud of, but it, but I identify it and, and I admit it. And I own that that was a part of me is that I wanted to become seen and become known, but as this fake false person that only knew how to help other people that kind of hid who I really was away from everyone. And over the course of my education, I came to realize that I was healing through my education. I was figuring out who I really was. And so when I wanted to be in the public eye on social media, giving this public message, I was falsifying my abilities. I was thinking I can just have this persona and that's how people get on television and that's how people get seen and it can be fake. Come to realize that that fakeness, that lying, that ability to just be someone that people liked, regardless of what it took, was my could have been my demise. And through my healing and actually finding who I really am and just being that on social media, just being me and not being too concerned about what are people going to like then I found that people actually like me for just exactly who I am. And it's a lot easier to be in the public eye when you aren't trying to keep up a, an image of a, of a good therapist or of what you think that the public wants to see. So I always knew I had a message to share with people, um, but I had to find that message for myself. And once I did so, then it became easier. So what do you think, what was the the shift in the perspective of moving from wanting to be seen wanting to be in the public eye and recognizing that that was sort of a an extension or a manifestation of also like maybe some ego maybe some trauma to being in the public eye as you are today being more honest more authentic and more sort of genuine to what the whole mission is how i guess the question is really like how does the ego change between from, you know, earlier in your 20s to you as a 30-year-old now? That's a really great question. Thank you for asking that. I I definitely had a fake persona for a long time as a result of hiding trauma. And when I started two of my businesses, um, about a year into one of them, my husband was publicly arrested in front of the entire city and this was about a little over two years ago. And at that point, my trauma was out in the open. My Everybody knew the some of the issues that were going on in my family. And it was as though the veil that I was trying to keep closed for 28 years of my life was automatically ripped down publicly. Um, and I really had to come to terms. I had to come to terms with now there's no hiding. So what do I do? And I had this really gnarly spiral for about six months after all that happened. And my baby was just recently born. So I was just in this, this chaotic experience and time in my life where all of the barriers and egotistical perceptions of myself came crumbling down. And I was forced to look at myself and say, what do I want to do with my life, with my profession, with my message, with my family. And I, I had to heal myself for my family. Um, and that was really interesting because what, what could have been my demise and what covered me up for so long was my real family, you know, my biological family, the ones I grew up with. And the family I had created with my husband and my baby now relied upon my ability to reconcile with my past and figure out what I wanted to do with my future. So I had to come had to come up with a story for the real story of what actually happened throughout the course of my life, not some fake story. And when I found that story, when I created the truth of who I really was and what really happened in my mind and through my career, um, I found my actual message. My message wasn't just, I'm this really solid professional therapist that happens to work in Malibu and is going to get seen and is and everything's totally fine in my life to I am kind of a fucked up person from my past and I've made some bad choices and I have severe anxiety and I'm really fucking smart and I really care about people and now that's the real message and so it was like my ego got punched in the face knocked down to the ground 
And I was forced to pick myself back up by finding my truth. And so, and now that's what I share. I share honesty and vulnerability um, and that you don't have to be perfect to try to help people. And I think that's the message Mm -hmm. that's stuck through the most. Yeah, that's really impactful. And I'm also, I can't help but think from an astrological perspective that, you know, that 28, 29 is when we're beginning to encounter our Saturn return. And that in, you know, uh, from an astrological perspective, that is like a turning point um, when we learn how to actually be our true adult version of ourselves. We're no longer just reacting to the external circumstances. Now we are cultivating them and honoring them and building them for ourselves, which is a reconciliation process and is challenging. It's very hard because we have so many ego deaths that have to happen at that point as we sort of transition from being this, you know, an imprint of what our backgrounds are to being who we want to be and who we know we are should be showing up as. I really relate personally on so many of the, you know, so many of the dimensions of this because throughout my 20s in it just took me so long to like find my voice, to find my narrative, to find a cohesive truth. Um, and I, you know, everything that I did, I kept shaving off other parts of myself that just felt too messy, that felt too complicated, that didn't fit into like a LinkedIn bio, you know, like if I couldn't make chronological sense of it. And for me, it's like, no, I I can't make chronological sense of a lot of things because I was always for so many years, I was like doing this and three other things at the same time because I was trying to figure out who I am and build a linear story, but it wasn't linear. And until I was able to start telling the story as a more complicated one and as one that had a lot more sort of humility and failure and confusion, it became easier for me to actually show up and do this work and build my business after having failed astrology businesses throughout my 20s because I was afraid of being fully honest about all of it. Um, So then this leads me to another question that I'm really interested to get your perspective on. Um, So I am obviously an astrologer. I think a lot of the listeners for this podcast are interested in astrology and also mental health. Um, And the reason I say and is because astrology is you know, talks about a lot of mental health. It is a wellness practice, like many wellness practices are. They, you know, they talk about the psychological space as well. Astrology borrows a lot from psychology. And, you know, in a lot of ways, working with an astrologer can be very therapeutic, but it is not therapy. And I make a point to differentiate these because I work with therapists separately and that are not astrologers. (laughs) And I just focus on that aspect of my wellness and my life. Um, But I'm curious from your perspective, you know, what your thoughts are on things like astrology and these sort of alternative wellness that embed psychology into it without having licensed professionals um, be able to distribute this knowledge and work with people? Well, it's a great question. And I think more and more people are looking for alternative methods to healing, I guess, you know, but saying the word alternative, it puts this weight on. So then what's the opposite of that? Like what is maybe mainstream, I guess, but things only really become mainstream if, society pushes them in that direction and who controls society and why are those things being pushed up and becoming more prominent and more reliable in a sense um, simply because it's science and then who chooses the studies and why do they choose them and so all these things come up and I think more and more you know for me I, I practice some eastern philosophies I work in a western medicine field And I like talking about the intersection of both of those things. I think that, you know, Western medicine, having a license, having um, an education that gives you certain code of ethics, um, I think that those things are important to protect patients, clients. But then the question comes up of what are they being protected from? Um, And that's something where I think people will say that 
unregulated fields of wellness like astrology, tarot cards, aromatherapy, essential essential oils, um, acupuncture, all these things that do have a scientific and research background to an extent, just not as much as perhaps these evidence-based practices of therapy or medication or anything like that. Um, they're all important to me. They're, they all support the human mind and the human body. We are organic beings made from the biological and chemistry aspects and components of the entire universe. And so I think that contemporary or mainstream therapy, in terms of the education that therapists are provided, can help certain mental health disorders that are really extreme. So someone that is actively suicidal, someone that has a severe eating disorder and their BMI is so low that they're literally physically unwell or someone who is at risk of harming another person. Or you know, I feel like though, you know, I'm, I'm naming those to name really extreme circumstances where the body and the mind can need professional help in terms of having an understanding, a very clear understanding of either the body or the mind, the brain mechanisms, things of that nature. And when it's not, when, when a human being is facing something that doesn't include so much of a physical aspect, like their brain chemistry is extremely off or their body is deteriorating from an eating disorder or addiction, when it's more of a psychological process that someone needs help with, then I think that there are so many different ways that that human being could be helped. And astrology is one of them. Um, I was recently interviewed and asked about if I include astrology or tarot in my actual li state licensed addiction and mental health facility. And I said, yes. And they wanted clarification on why. And I actually received some pushback from some clinicians who had read that article and then DM'd me and said, this is an evidence-based you know, I'm surprised with your background that you're putting this out there saying that you use this in your facility because we bill insurance and and whatever, that whole thing in terms of that, that system. Um, I think that there are so many barriers to entry for people to heal. Some people don't want to go to a therapist. Some people don't want to go to a doctor. Some people don't want to be pathologized. And the first time they sit down to talk about their mental health. And I think that astrology and any other storytelling or metaphorical support or connection to the cosmos and giving, your, giving human beings the ability to expand their perception of where they are in the universe is helpful. I think we have a spiritual part of ourselves. We have a cosmic part of ourselves. It's innate within us. And it's important for people to come to terms with that because if, it, if we really stick with just Western medicine and A and B can be treated with C, then it's limiting. And we are so much more than what can fit in a book. And we're so much more than the languages that human beings have created to put words to symptoms for diagnoses and then for interventions. Um, we're more creative than that. We're more dense than that. Um, and I think that astrology specifically gives people permission to believe in something greater than themselves and feel connected to something of the unknown. And that can bring relaxation from anxiety and from depression, and it can build trust and connection. So I think that there are mental health professionals that would be very opposed to um, bringing astrology into their practice or saying that someone should engage in astrological practices in addition to their therapy because they are rooted strictly in evidence-based. And uh, one thing I really like to say, and I'll close out and kind of hear, hear your thoughts, are that's really like the number one argument from people on my side, I guess, that have licenses and, or would consider it to be a side is, where's the evidence? And nothing has evidence until research has been done on it. And there aren't a lot of huge organizations that are willing to invest in research to make these practices evidence-based. And that's like one of the main reasons why there's such a differentiation of trust, I think, in the field, 
but that could easily be changed through more research. And so I'm on board with both. And I think that that as long as the as long as the practitioner knows their limits and knows when to look for liabilities for their uh, client's safety, then more power to anyone who is willing to help. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm part of me is like, oh, you just saying this to me because I'm an astrologer. But I, I really am very soothed by what you're saying uh, on a personal level, because I am someone who takes mental health really seriously. And I also take the work that I do very seriously. And from working with so many thousands of clients over the years, I know that I have evidence of how life changing looking at yourself from the perspective of the cosmos can be. Um, and it's interesting. I love that you call yourself the truth doctor because basically my entire upcoming book is dedicated to the concept of veracity and in finding truth and being a 360 person in loving yourself for all of the things about you and not just loving yourself when you're good enough to be lovable. But for like literally saying, all right, I'm I accept every part of myself at this moment in time, even the things that I'm still work in progress on. Um, and I think astrology is such a beautiful language for being able to say, hey, this is all of you, the good and the bad. Um, and especially, you know, when I was using astrology, which, of course, I still do. But when I was actively using it to heal very present traumas that were happening in my life, um, the idea of just these things being part of me. And not being, you know, not having to qualify them as good or bad, but just as is, um, was really therapeutic. Um, and I use that in addition to therapy. And I find that the work that I do with clients is, you know, I the evidence for me is working with people over and over again and seeing their lives change and seeing the way that they show up as more confident more empowered, more aligned with what they truly want, as opposed to just, you know, fitting into the confines of maybe what their family told them was possible or what society told them was possible, or like just, you know, these ancestral narratives that really can backs, you know, can get in the way and block somebody's own future from being cultivated. And I you know, would never even bat an eye at saying like, oh, does it really work? Because yeah, it fucking really works because I see it really work. But at the same time, I have concerns about uh, the lack of regulation as being one that's just like sort of a, you know, it. there could be people who don't have the integrity because I think that in astrology, it really does come to integrity to back it up. But I've also worked with really fucked up therapists and psychiatrists who prescribed me any drug that I ever wanted. Um, mm -hmm. So I think I think that integrity is not, you know, industry specific. I think that it really is just across the board. Integrity is important. And even though, you know, you may you may have like a, a rogue psychiatrist who's prescribing medication and then can get caught and have consequences, whereas what would catch an astrologer for being, for lacking integrity, at the end of the day, integrity is integrity is an integrity, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with you completely. And, and I like that you said that, you know, am, am I just saying this because you're an astrologer? And I like that. I think that <laughs> I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you said that because, you know, there may have been a point in my life where I would have, I would have just said that to appease the episode or appease you. And so it was kind of nice for me to hear that and then be like, no, you know, and that just, you know, me acknowledging my growth that like, like, this is actually like how, what I really think. And it's important to me to share that because I agree with you completely that it really is about integrity. When people come down to the fundamentals, it's like they believe that because there is uh, it, because there's ethical and legal guidelines for therapists, that doesn't mean that therapists are going to follow them. Like I too have had experiences where I'm like, this person should not be a therapist. And then I've also had <laughs> for reals. And then I've also had experiences with people that just work with astrology and just work with other types of 
alternative healing uh, methods and their success is immaculate and their connection with the human that's sitting in front of them is more of a deeper connection than I have ever seen some certain therapists provide and we're human beings we're connective beings we're spiritual beings and we need to really be seen and I've honestly found oftentimes with practitioners that practice alternative methods, that have integrity, that know their limits, that have resources and referrals for clients that they think are out of their um, scope of practice, make more, um, more progress, make more progress with their clients. And, and so that's that for me, um, it solidifies that there isn't just one way. Every human being is not the same. And if we treat every human being with the same interventions, simply because those are the ones that are evidence-based in terms of scientifical research that these universities are doing, for example, then we're limiting people's capacity for change. We're limiting people's capacity for healing, and we're limiting people's capacity to see themselves for the entirety of who and what they are. And so thank you for what you're doing. And and for being a part of the healing process of this fucking planet, because we really need it. And yeah, we need important. all the help we can get. <laughs> yeah, we do. I, I think that it's also interesting that part of your narrative is your background in having your own trauma and having your own secrets, your own skeletons in your closet. For me, um, I, you know, I have kind of and this was this was a realization that I had in the process of writing my book for the majority of last year of 2020, when one has had, you know, tremendous difficulties in their life, especially in childhood, adolescence, early 20s, I really do feel like integrating those into the work that they do is so important. Obviously, some people are going to be arriving at the fact that like, hey, I've had like a, it's, it's impossible for me to separate my healing journey from the work and the nine to five structure, which makes me only have, you know, show up as a fragment of who I am, doesn't actually lend itself to me owning my truth, being as, you know, expansive and 360 as I want to be. And then maybe they're discovering this at 29 or 30. And the idea of then having to start school all over again to become a therapist is not available, um, either not of interest, out of their budget out of what is practical for someone at that point. And then it's like, you know, how does one become a healer and you find the skills to do it? And then I think that that's when alternative types of healing really make sense for someone to pursue. Um, but at the same time, we also then are, you know, it's I think that I think that the danger of just saying this is the only way to heal, this is the only way to be a healer, is to then be righteous in that, you know, to say, like, this is the best way to do it. I think as long as all of us healing in whatever modalities speak to us and and give us enough range and enough vocabulary to do so, can recognize that, like, you know, these are the limits of what I can do. And then this is where someone else can take over. Just like you're saying, you know, to have recommendations to have referrals to have resources outside of one skill set and i think honoring and being confident enough to say that is outside of my practice is really really important for everybody i agree with you i i agree with you completely i like the point it's like when someone has been through shit healed to a degree enough to say i want to help others heal we shouldn't gatekeep being a healer um, or being healed. We just shouldn't do it um, because that in turn is just causing, it's just, it's delaying the progress and the healing of us as a whole. We're limiting people's abilities to heal. I think that anyone that goes into the healing profession, anyone that goes into the wellness profession, whether they have a license or a certification or not, is just to understand that you're working with the body because you're working with a human and you're working with the mind and you're working with the spirit and the soul. And there should be a basic understanding of the three of those things, even just a basic understanding so that you know, like what's important for me as a therapist, 
when I hear of my clients working with alternative healers is like, I, I question, and, and not from a critical standpoint, just a question that arises for me is, what is the understanding that that practitioner has of their limitations? And what is their understanding that that practitioner has of what is happening in the mind of my client, in their body, in the body of my client, when they are providing suggestions, when they are encouraging introspection? Do they know what's happening? Do they, I guess the first question that comes up is, was there a thorough analysis of what's going on for this person? You know, do you know, have you, did you ask them about their trauma history? And I think that that's important. Even if you don't, even if you're not going to work with them on their trauma, it's like, get a trauma history, even just a timeline so that you know what their triggers are. If they have a trauma background, what are their triggers? So that if something is coming up or if you want to say something or if the practitioner wants to say something and go in a certain direction, you sort of know like that this may bring this reaction or this may bring that reaction. And if I see those types of reactions happening, I know how to identify what that may be to point them in the right direction for the appropriate resource. So is there a thorough assessment of what's going on and has gone on for the person biologically, physically, spiritually, mentally? And then to say, I'm going to work with you spiritually and psychologically, but you have these biological things going on as we address the spiritual and the psychological you may start to, you know, maybe you'll have panic attacks, have increased heart rate just in the interim, you know, because in the course of healing, when we take away the things that the ego has provided us, the things that our denial has provided us, then those things will resurface and that people are really psychologically complex. And so even if you're not going to treat all the areas, it's like know all of the areas. So then you can find not only your limitations within your own practice and within your own scope, but also the limitations for that specific person that you're working with. And so if they were to bring something up that you don't treat, you automatically, like you already knew about it, doesn't come off guard to you. And you can say, yeah, I remember we addressed that in the beginning when we first met. Here are those resources again that I provided you in the beginning, and I can help connect you with those if you want to. So it's an assessment. Is the practitioner getting a thorough assessment? And does the practitioner know their scope of practice for their own business and also their scope of practice for each person? Yeah, I, I think that that's actually an amazing rubric and criteria that people can use. I mean, I think that that's really comprehensive and thoughtful because to be able to say, OK, well, here is, you know, mind, body, spirit, right? Like it, approaching this on a physiological, psychological and then psychic level. How are we addressing these? And then where does my practice begin and end? Um this was something that I did not, you know, because I'm I'm from New York. I'm always going to fight with people, you know, like I love to I think that you have to to be an astrologer. I think that part of you has to be someone who likes to be, you know, a little bit on the edge of things and be, and you, to be able to go to a dinner party and someone's like, you're an astrologer. You'd be like, oh, fuck you. You know, like I think that that's an important part of what I do. So I was very caught up in like saying why what I did was totally normal and everyone should take it seriously and whatever. And then in the past year, I had an experience where I went to a very famous herbalist studio to her garden and to take a all day class with her. And I'm not going to say her name because, you know, I don't know what the legal ramifications would be of that, but people can look this person up, herbalist, famous, older woman, upstate New York. And um, within, so it was a class on dandelion healing. So just like I'm imagining going in, picking dandelions, like something could not be more calm and peaceful than that vision. And this maybe within 25 minutes of being there, my first time interacting with, you know, herbalism in any capacity there to learn. This practitioner um, loses her shit at me, screaming at me, so nasty, so scary, so traumatizing. And 
obviously after this, I go home and I do a lot more research on this person only to discover that this is chronic. This person has been arrested. Like this is a really, this person is, you know, obviously should not have people in her home because she can't control her temper and her anger. Um, but it really got me thinking about why having boards is important, right? Because I don't think this person should be in practice because that is deeply irresponsible to invite people into your home, to not have cell phone service, to not have a way to leave. And you're screaming at someone without knowing what they've gone through at all in their life. I mean, not only do I have to then recover for the rest of the day because I disassociated, I don't even remember anything right. I fucking learned. But then what if I'm what if I'm violent? You know, like what if my reaction to something like that is to defend myself physically and lash out at the 70 year old woman? So this person, it's not safe for this person to be in practice, but there's no one for me to call, you know, and there's no way for me to report that. And there's no way for me to say, like, someone needs to check up on what's going on. And upstate New York at this herbalism place. So that's where I think it starts to get really dicey is when it becomes clear that there are people who are manipulative and exploitative and, mm -hmm. you know, have the look and feel of an abuser, right? Because it passes the smell test. Mm -hmm. And that is, I guess, also why the internet is really fucking important. One of the good <laughs> things about it is that People can do their own research. And I do think that that also might be a, an important dimension of choosing the practitioner you want to work with. I agree with you completely. And it's interesting because that's that's sort of the one thing that I am. No, it's not the one thing. It's one of the things that I appreciate about my specific profession is that there is a board, you know, the Board of Behavioral Sciences you know, I've had some instances, however, where the Board of Behavioral Sciences has denied licenses to people that they should not have denied licenses to for, you know, past criminal records from 15 years prior. And, you know, they want to become a, a healer because they've healed and they get denied a license. And that shit pisses me the fuck off because I've worked with this person for years and, you know, that now it's gatekeeped. This person can't help in this certain way because of their 15 year past, which doesn't make sense. It stigmatizes the whole point of the clients that are being treated by people with a license under the board. So it's, it can be a limiting thing, which is important to recognize. And it can also be a very beneficial thing. And could people lose their licenses from the board because of unethical, inappropriate and illegal behaviors done on to patients, to other professionals, um, with insurance companies, with whatever. And so I think the boards are important and a lot of the boards for a lot of the licenses, at least in the United States, have some pretty rocky foundations. They were created a long time ago and they aren't necessarily that trustworthy, which is something we're coming to realize just in a bunch of different ways with different systems and organizations. And um, I think that it would be, and saying all of that as devil's advocate, but it's also very important. And it may be important on going more so now more than ever because people, their eyes really are opening more. Their people are saying everything that we've been told is supposed to help us for the last, let's say, 100 years isn't fucking helping us. We're more depressed, more anxious, more addicted, and more traumatized than we ever have been. And these sciences are advancing and advancing and advancing, but people aren't getting better. Um, and so with these alternative practices coming to the light, coming to the surface, becoming more recognized, I think it would be important ongoing in the field to create boards. They don't have to be developed by universities or especially, you know, when there isn't a, a certification or a license needed for this type of healing for astrology as an example, but to find a group of people that are astrologists that have, that understand the legal ramifications of how you would treat a human being would understand and create a, an ethics code of how to work with people with through this certain intervention um, and to allow people to get some type of, you know, trustworthy, I don't know if it's a title or a certification or whatever, but something that says, I follow this code of ethics. And so you can trust me. And then for people to say, um, what the fuck kind of behavior was that? Like, that's not appropriate for your work with a human being. And we, you know, have to now acknowledge that you're not the type of practitioner of this intervention that we think is actually helping people. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's a little bureaucratic 
However, there's checks and balances, and I think that's important. And so that may be something that's needed in all of these different areas that aren't so mainstream and Western-based um, for it to become more mainstream and perhaps more Western-based. It's a conundrum. You know, it's complicated because whenever you have people in a position of deciding, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, brought to mind the justice card of um, tarot, it's like, who's the one holding the scales? There's always someone holding them. It's not just mm-hmm. this omniscient scale dangling that is like, ha- doesn't have any bias at all. There's obviously bias. There's bias is inevitable. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say that that's also, you know, while I have a, a soapbox here, I would say that that's also something that I have seen increasingly a little bit annoying, disturbing, you know, on the range of like, I'm annoyed to like, this is a problem. Um, which is astrologers, mystics, spiritual people of any kind trying to pretend that they are objective. You know, everyone is interpreting the world, the stars, their experience, the diagnosis based on Mm -hmm. what their perception of reality is. And that doesn't make them bad. It just makes them human. And when we dismiss the human nature, we start to get into that weird profit area where it, it becomes very exploitative and manipulative. Completely. I I totally agree with you. The error of being human. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It's so important. I mean, I want to, I like to work with practitioners whose opinions I know, you know, I want to work with someone not because I want them to be an AI robot, but because I want them to be able to also offer their own wisdom and life experience and expression. And I'm not going to be for everybody. You're not going to be for everybody. There's going to hopefully there's somebody for everyone, which is why it's like the more the merrier. But we don't want to dismiss the idea that humans are the one who are holding the scales and humans are the one who are also offering their interpretation. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's one of the things that's why I've also been so drawn to alternative aspects of healing, because we are like I'm taught all all therapists are taught, um, at least in most schools and most therapists that I know to act as a blank slate, to act like you don't have opinions, to act like you don't have a past and to just provide the intervention, provide the objective intervention. And studies show that like 70% of the success of therapy is just whether or not you connect with who the person actually is. And I would say that that might be why so many different interventions and so many different therapeutic models are not working. Like they're just not working. I studied for four years in my dissertation on why 60 to 80 percent of every intervention that's used with addiction clients fucking fails even if they complete successful treatment with all of these interventions 60 to 80 percent of them relapse or have to go back into treatment and so it was like what's missing what's missing is the humanity what's missing is the connection which what's missing is the admittance of the practitioner that they're a human being and that they are influencing the results and the outcomes of what's happening. And it's through the ignorance of that intentionally or unintentionally that causes the demise of their client's potential to heal. And so it's like the regulation is important for these alternative areas of healing that don't have the regulation. And at times the regulation where it does already belong is part of the fucking problem because they're saying, don't be human. Yeah, I, I I love that perspective. And I have seen I've worked with many, many therapists over the years and I have seen, you know, my success working with someone is completely contingent on how much the therapist is willing to also like just show their humanity, show their experience, give me their perspective on something, which obviously it's going to range from person to person and what they need. But for me, a lot of the time, like I really need some good advice, you know, and even and recognizing that my therapist is not the only source of advice and that they are not only the correct option, but I'm going into a space, whether it's virtual or in person now, and I don't want just someone to say, well, how does that make you feel over and over again, especially mm-hmm. because I'm, a, I, you know, I'm now I'm an astrologer. So like, I do know how I feel. Sometimes I just need to get uh, a different frame you know, a different way of looking at a problem and someone who knows all of the details of the problem, aka a therapist, is like in the (laughs) best position to be able to offer that, you know? 
Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a lot of the work that I'm trying to do with the truth doctor is like, I'm trying to give the education. And I'm also trying to say like, hi, I'm a person. And like, not all therapists are cold and dry. And, and it, I mean, it takes practice just like it would for an astrologer also to say like, to learn you know, how much self-disclosure is important and for, and when, and why, and, and is it for, are you self-disclosing for the benefit of the client or are you self-disclosing for the benefit of you? Because it would feel good for you to get it out and for you to relate to them. <laughs> totally, And totally, it's like, totally. you have to kind of know that limit and it takes practice, but you have to start with having some therapist be able to say, hi, I'm human. And this is where I'm at to sort of start to gauge, okay, what is that appropriate line? Like you have to practice, be willing to fail, be willing to go outside of the boundaries of the license. And so I find that, that you know, that's where my lure comes in for alternative healing is because it's like, they're not bound by the, by the constrictions of this profession that's been built up by white men, honestly, that are super old now that are way out of like, they're just, it's out of context. They're out of the culture. And it's like, times are changing. We think a lot of shit's fucked up and we really need the people higher up that are in these systems to say, we see it too. It is kind of fucked up. Here's like, (laughs) here's the better way we think therapy will work. And so, yeah, I just think humanity needs humans. We don't need robots and we don't need, you know, walking around uh, diagnostic manuals that like look like totally. humans. Like we need humans. Totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, you know, I think that it's it's been so interesting to see and I don't know what it would be called, the mental health arm of TikTok, which is, <laughs> I, I guess I've liked enough um, videos on disassociation. <laughs> now that that is my, exclusively it's my <laughs> for you page. <laughs> and I think that it's interesting the awareness and then also criticism of like things like the DSM and of, you know, these very, very patriarchal, um, colonized based diagnoses, but then also the literacy that people have over these diagnoses, you know, and I think that there is something really kind of remarkable about uh, as what you're doing, you know, making this content more accessible so that people can have the conversations of like, wait, what does that diagnosis even mean? Like, is that even a reasonable thing to di- to pathologize someone based on? Or is mm-hmm. that based on these like, you know, misogynistic, racist, oppressive viewpoints, which obviously right. a lot has had to, we've already acknowledged that there's a lot there that really needs to be reevaluated on an institutional level. I agree with you. And through everything that happened in 2020, that the American Psychological Association, the, the DSM itself, the creators of the, you know, the American Psychiatric Association, they've all come out with statements and whether those were coerced or whatever, you know, the people at the top were forced to make them. They're true. They've come out with those statements. This is structurally racist. This is structurally oppressive. Most of these diagnoses are created by studies that were done on white people in the middle of the country or on the coast that are middle class, and they don't necessarily apply to every human being on the planet or every human being in the United States of America. And so it'd be interesting to see, you know, depending on if we go in this direction of like, expanding what therapists can do or expanding the desire for alternative treatment. I wonder, you know, will statements come out in the future saying, you know, we used to say we were the only way. Now we know that we're not. Sorry for limiting, you know, people's access to all of these different types of healing. Like we really fucked up. Like maybe that'll happen in the future. Who knows? Yeah. I I mean, it's so fascinating because then I look at, you know, from again, from the astrology viewpoint, astrology prior to the 20th century and to all of the psychological interest of the early 20th century, late 19th century. But, you know, we see this across all of the arts. We see this in like Chekhov plays. We see this in obviously like, you know, people like Freud and Jung coming through with their the way that they are analyzing, diagnosing, creating archetypes. The astrology prior to that is like really depressing, really fatalistic, and is basically like, when are you dying? How many babies are you going to have? Are you rich forever? Mm. You know, and like, that's it. And then with the advent of psychology and being able to look inward, we have such a, you know, astrology became so much richer. The vocabulary became so much more effective, so much more profound. 
And it was also done by old white men who were racist and misogynist and colonizers, right? So it's like all like it's complicated (laughs) and it's it's all of it, you know, and being present of all of it, I think, is at least a step in being able to recognize that if we're going to untangle any of this, it's going to take time. I agree with you completely. Yeah, we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to, before we wrap up, I want to ask you about um, some of the resources that you have available on your website, thetruthdoctor.com, and then also um, some of these new offerings that you're going to be launching next month. Yeah, thank you. So I have four free online courses. So anyone that just doesn't have access to therapy right now, can't, you know, go to school to learn in the way that I did to heal myself. There's four courses, childhood trauma. How does your mind work? How do you forgive yourself and other people? And how does anxiety show up in your body physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Um, So those are all accessible at thetruthdoctor.com. And I encourage everyone to check them out. There's been tens of thousands of people that have and that say that it's helpful. Um, And then I have a podcast that's called Your Unconscious is Showing. It's going to be changing its name to The Truth Doctor Podcast. And then I'm coming out with a talk show called The Truth Doctor Show. And these are all available um, in February 2021, um, where I will just be, you know, my goal with the podcast and the show is to... Um, I'm trying to get celebrities to spill their secrets, to get professionals to spill their secrets about their mental health and how we're all kind of fucked up in one way or another, and that that past doesn't have to limit us to whatever it is that we want to do with our lives. And so if you are someone that struggles with mental health and you want some education, check out those courses. If you're someone that struggles with mental health and you don't know what direction to take your life and you think there's roadblocks where there may not be, then hopefully these new upcoming resources in February will help you realize that you can do anything you set your mind to as long as you're not limited by systems and you get to a place where you're no longer limited by your trauma. I love it. Thank you so much. So where can we find you in addition to your website? I know obviously on TikTok is essential, (laughs) but (laughs) what does your world look like? Where can we um, get ready to listen to these new launches? Yeah. So my handles for TikTok and Instagram are, it's the same, the period truth, period doctor. Um, and that's where you'll be able to find all of my resources. And if you are in the state of California and you have mental health issues or substance use issues, I have an outpatient treatment center with incredible clinicians where we infuse astrology and tarot cards, meditation, mindfulness, and the evidence-based practices that therapists adhere to. And so, yeah, you can go to goodheartrecovery.com if you're looking for actual professional services for something that's going on in your life that's really severe. Amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. This is great. 